Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Erica. And Amy is MIA this week. She went to go visit her family and you're stuck with the two of us. Just the two of us. We're sorry. Just the two of us. Uh, <laughs> I told you I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying I could I could break out into song right now. Please don't. I. <laughs> anyway, Erica, how's your week been? It's been pretty good. Yeah. I had a good week. Ended up on a high. So I did, I emceed an event this week. Right. Called Survivors Speak. And it's basically um, a bunch of really incredible, inspiring women who came together. And they talked about their history of um, sexual violence and how they kind of turned that into whatever sort of outreach or social justice work that they do. So we so the founder of Slut Walk was mm-hmm. one of them. Ooh. I know. And I'm like, you got a Kardashian well, a Kardashian adjacent walking up to award shows in that. Mm-hmm. Good on like hello. Um she now lives in Newfoundland and she um, is program director for Newfoundland's basically only um, gender-based violence sort of um, social work. So that's mm-hmm. what she does. Hmm. And yeah. And uh, Farah Khan, who is everywhere all the time mm-hmm. at the same time. <laughs> Um, who does incredible work uh, at Ryerson, I believe. And just, I mean, this is somebody who was in a G7 meeting, you sure. know, talking about gender-based violence. And so she was totally inspiring. And um, so, and also Mira Vijayan, who who wrote about um, the gang rape of the woman on the bus and has has a brilliant TED talk that I would suggest that you all Google. And yeah, it was just it was just it was it was moving as fuck is what it was. And then like the week before, I forgot to mention this last week, is like the week before I was on Canada Land Shortcuts. Um, the episode is 196 called The Naughty Daughter. Okay, so go download, listen, and, you know, come back and support Bad and Bitchy. <laughs> that was my week. Uh, well, that's great. And all of that, like, despite the fact that it was, like, Snowmageddon here this week. I'm, so I don't usually, like, come out of my house in certain, in certain times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's got to be, like, a lot for you to leave your house when it's just like a foot of snow inside. There's just no reason for that. Yeah. Am I a cross country skier? No. Yeah. Do I? We build we like sand? had to cancel meetings. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Because that was just insane. Yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan. And it snowed more today, and it's supposed to snow more this week. So for all you listeners, we hope you are listening to this wrapped up, uh, huddled on your couch, or maybe while you cook, or in the bath. 
There's With more candles snow. Lit. Yeah. More snow is coming. Where are they going to put all this snow? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You mean the city, not uh, not the skies. Yeah. <laughs> like, where where is the city going to put all this snow? I mean, they're slowly taking it away, but, uh, you know, it could be better. Anyway, um, just want to give a shout out to three new patrons, Amber, Ryan, and Sharon. Thank you for supporting Bad and Bitchy. Um, you can visit us at patreon.com slash bad and bitchy if you want to support us. Uh, we will be, I think, revamping some of that over the next few months. So stay tuned for that. Um, anyway, I think, uh, I think we're about ready to get into it. Yeah. All right. So this week in feminism, after 35 days, AKA the longest in history, President Donald Trump agreed to end the partial government shutdown in the United States. Being the master negotiator he is, he got absolutely nothing that he had been keeping the government shut down over. He ultimately agreed to a three week continuing resolution or CR to reopen the government at current funding levels, which would pave the way for him and the Democrats to negotiate on border security. At the end of the three weeks, the government will either shut down again or maybe he'll declare a state of emergency over a fabricated humanitarian crisis at the U.S.'s southern border, which would allow him to build the wall through the military. Throughout the shutdown, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer held the line with their caucus and fought for what they believed in. And in the end, Trump had no choice but to give Nancy and the Democrats what they wanted. So, Erica, over the past two years, there's been an uptick in the idea of strong of the strong man in politics. A strong man is a political leader who rules by force and runs kind of an authoritarian or totalitarian regime. And we're kind of seeing that now in South America. And it's definitely happened more in Europe. And uh, the characteristics espoused by the strongman politician are those that are congruent with toxic masculinity, one of our favorite subjects. Yes. So Nancy Pelosi this week showed that these strongmen can be outmaneuvered. So what does this mean for the traditional idea of strength and masculinity? I think that um, a lot of what we a lot of what we we consider stro- strong or behaviors that we consider strong are really just sociopathic and oppressive. <laughs> they really are. Like that's not where I thought you were, <laughs> were going to say it all. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for example, like people, there are a lot of people who think bullying is a sign of strength, mm. and being a bully is not a sign of strength. It's just not. No, it means you're actually kind of weak and you, yeah. you're compensating for something. Overcompensating. You know, like men, never mind. <laughs> I was going to go somewhere else with that. And then I was like, let me just move on. Let me just. Um, so, so I think the, what's, what's interesting with this whole Trump Pelosi sort of standoff is that, um, he, for a lot of people who vote for him, they think that he's tough. Mm. So, um, and the whole idea apparently of being tough means that you punch down. Mm-hmm. And we always say on this podcast, ain't nothing to punch down. Like, that's just abusive. Yeah. So, in other words, being abusive is seen as strong and you could see this in in our workplaces, for example. Like 
how many bosses have have been straight up assholes and they're seen as quote unquote strong leaders. And I just think that Nancy Pelosi today, I mean, this week showed us that actually that's not how you get things done. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say that it took a fucking woman to teach us that, that lesson. And that's the lesson that we should be learning. Yeah. And like throughout the whole, the whole shutdown, the whole, I think, five weeks or so, you know, she kept having her weekly press conferences. Yeah. She kept highlighting the fact that workers weren't getting paid. They were still working and not getting paid. Mm -hmm. They were still showing up. They were still being leaders on the job, despite the fact that the president of the United States was being petty um, over something so ridiculous. And she didn't, she was never treated weirdly as like being a bitch she was never referred to as yelling she was never referred to as angry Mm -hmm. and i i don't know why because if it had been hillary clinton or if it had been kamala harris they would have been considered angry they would have been considered as someone who was yelling or just being too much i'm glad you brought this up erin because it it could be that the women of the new women of the Democratic Party sort of provided a context, I feel. So, for example, um, they're the ones who... Remember when, like, literally, like, three weeks ago, people were like, they're out of control. Mm-hmm. Or two weeks ago, they're the, these, these so-called, quote-unquote, upstarts are out of control they won't they won't fall in line they fucking held their ground okay? you, and you know who didn't fall in line joe manchin huh yes by the way he he will be i i know we're gonna rip him apart sometime uh, it's only a matter of time. it's only a matter of time before he becomes misogynist of the week i'm mm. waiting for it mm. i remember i remember seeing that i'm like really joe really i mean like you couldn't fucking keep it together yeah like fuck you yeah anyway yeah yeah so it's interesting because like nancy is just very very she maintained her cool she still acted as she was doing her job and she was able to maintain very positive outlook in the polls like a lot of people still believed and were poll the polls were showing that people were blaming Trump for the shutdown. They weren't blaming the Democrats Mm -hmm. even as it progressed because the Democrats were able to stay on message. Mm -hmm. And that was just, it was very simple. It's very clear that we all knew what they stood for and what they were fighting for. And, And even when like they were, you know, dangling things like temporary protections for DACA recipients, those were only three years. And, Yes, DACA is a very important issue to the Democrats, but they weren't taking that bait because mm-hmm. they knew that a wall is a much more permanent thing. And yeah. unless, you, you know, the Republicans and Trump were going to give a permanent solution, they weren't going to weren't going to cave on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, to your question, your point on um, strongman politics and being masculine and strong. So once Trump capitulated to Nancy Pelosi and Coulter started calling Trump a coward and was just like, "Ugh, I'm such a stupid girl for voting for him and supporting him. What a wuss. Um, is this 
Donald Trump's worst nightmare? <laughs> I feel like he's had his way for two years. And so we're going to see exactly what he's capable of from now on. And I don't think he's capable of much. I think he's had people cower mm-hmm. w- because he's a bully. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who are just going to cower to a bully, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that um, I think that Nancy Pelosi, what she did is she let him do his thing, his blustering, his bellicose, you know, way of 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 delivering information. She let him do him. Uh, and she said nothing. Mm-hmm. I remember remember that press conference when they were sitting down. It was her, Chuck yeah, Schumer. Yeah. And, and she just let him do him. And he's like, sure, blame me for the shutdown. Well, thanks. Okay. Thanks for that. Yeah. Bye. And whatever, whatever, like, sort of, 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 whatever handle she had on caucus, she she had it she exercised it and she like there must have been a clear this is what we're standing for we're not going to fall for that we're not going to fall for that we're not going to do all that and um a clear strategy and everybody was like i guess was like sure insofar as trump tried to circumvent her and go to what he call would call sort of um sympathetic sort of Democrats and tried right. to circumvent her and then invite them to lunch or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the problem solvers you, caucus. Yeah. And they they <laughs> they might as well just said, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> like Yeah, so I'm I'm interested in this idea um about, you know, these strongman politicians being outmovered. So is this something that maybe only applies to Trump because he's him and his staffers are not smart or is it partially because Nancy Pelosi didn't play into any of their traps she didn't really fight back like she didn't and I think this is part of the why she wasn't considered angry she just let them implode themselves and stuck to her message Mm -hmm. so would in any other situation with another president do you think that she would still have been able to outmaneuver them or is it just like a... No, I think every strong man's um, fatal flaw is his ego. Mm. And she played that. She played his ego. That's the game she played. I don't know what he was playing. He like I, I really don't know. But um, every strong man has that and that can work against yeah. you very, very easily. There's always, always like I always say, like people, we need to understand the systems of power so that we understand the levers. And mm-hmm. when you understand what the levers are, then you under you can understand where the pain points are. And once you understand where the pain points are, you can play to those pain points, either positively or negatively. And I think that's what she did. That woman is wise as fuck. Yep. And I know I've said shit about Nancy Pelosi. OK, I admit it. But um, but she knows how to work the system. She knows how to work the system. And this was a master stroke, a mm-hmm. genius master stroke. And it's all her. Yeah. And um, I thought that it was I, I just think that it's brilliant because she fucked him over twice. Mm-hmm. Number one was the um, 
was the State of the Union. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think good. I think we all heard that spanking from each corner of the world, you know, uh, and and then which culminated into him acquiescing and capitulating in the shutdown. And so I think that what's really important is that number one, you don't have to be you don't have to be an asshole to get shit done. And I believe that like at least in the past like 20 years we've we've perpetuated this idea that good leadership means that you're an asshole Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't subscribe to that yeah because as we start entering you know the election year in canada and although it's less relevant um in canada but with the 2020 primaries starting in the united states you know we've got a lot of female candidates that are throwing their hat into the ring Mm -hmm. and they are almost certainly going to face sexism Mm -hmm. and they're going to be attacked online. Mm -hmm. And when Hillary Clinton was running in 2016, we kept comparing her traits to men, not realizing that we needed to change the scope of how we were comparing her because a woman had never been a candidate for president before. And I think that we have to be really conscious of that moving forward to not compare the women to the men and their leadership styles and how they're speaking and all of these things. Because if we do that, we're going to end up with angry women. Mm -hmm. We're going to end up with women who are yelling. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that we need to, we as media consumers, but also the media Mm -hmm. needs to very be, be very conscious of these comparisons because female leadership and male leadership are very very different Mm -hmm. um so we you brought up this idea of this bully Mm -hmm. uh donald trump in this case Mm -hmm. um how how has nancy pelosi's success challenged the way we should deal with bullies or has it i think that this i i think that what has been at least in canada especially is what this both sides ism has done so each side is equally culpable for an outcome or for a statement or for a remark or whatever um what we've done is we've equated sort of a strategy like pelosi with um with a bully's with the same sort of 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 strategy as a bully and that's wrong like how many people said that pelosi when she spanked trump with that state of the union issue were like oh well she's just she's just she's just going down to his level no she's not letting him lie to the american people have a platform to lie to the american people the inter or the international Mm -hmm. community and so because we have this idea of this both sides are equally culpable we look and pick at we look for stuff that um that reinforces that sure and i think that in terms of how to deal with a bully there's been a lot of of people i i take the china issue with in Mm -hmm. canada like the first round of advice was basically to acquiesce to China and I was, or to like 
capitulate to China. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, um, no, the fuck? Yeah. They're bullying us. And this is when, and how do you know that this isn't a test where they're like, okay, we're going to feel you out and then we're going to figure out how far we can go with you. Because if we let this go, they will be riding us forever. And that's the thing. If you don't stand up or out stand up to a bully, um, they are going to bully you forever mm-hmm. because they can. Yeah. And so what what Nancy Pelosi did was she showed everybody, number one, that she's fucking brilliant. She's savvy as fuck. She knows what she's doing. She's that's leadership. She took that position. She ran with it. Like she got people to fall in line. And, you know, and there was a united front against this this bully. But it was also based like on principles. So her stance was that, okay, well, if you're not paying employees to work, then we shouldn't be having people working security who aren't getting paid right. while we as member of members of Congress are getting paid. Right. And I think that because like if, if they, there was no government shutdown, she was going to let him do give a state of the union yeah. because she's not an asshole. Yeah. She's like, this is the way the government works and she respects the, the history and position of the office of the president, not necessarily the person holding the office, mm-hmm. but the office of the president, she, she respects and she respects the traditions. And so she would have been happy, I assume, to let him give the State of the Union as tradition would dictate. Yeah. But given the situation, like she was, I think, totally reasonable in her logic of saying no. Exactly. But this both sidesism is like, oh, well, you're being petty. No, you're standing your ground. You t- you're taking a stand. And I know that this is what frustrates me about Canada. Like the one thing that frustrates me is that we we're a nation with low self-esteem and therefore our first reaction to this kind of of the uh, to scare tactics or stuff like that is that we are ready to throw in the towel and say, well, we're a small country. We can't really do anything. The fuck you can't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and then we have, I don't know, ambassadors like (laughs) dictating policy, dictating policy. That's not in Canadian interest. Okay. Yeah. 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 Fucking fire him. Yes. And I think this is a huge turning point. And um, especially with like all of these, like I think Maxine Waters is on the House Financing mm-hmm. Committee with Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, yeah. and and there are a few more of the fresh, uh, the freshmen, fresh women, fresh people, whatever, who are on like the, the Judiciary Committee, the Oversight Committee, the Oversight Committees. Those are powerful fucking committees, yeah. and the way things are lining up right now. I just don't think he's smart enough to be able to deal with what the fuck is coming down the pipe. This is going to be a fun year. I'd also like to point out that Nancy Pelosi currently third in line to the presidency. It's fine. And that too. And didn't she just, 
did she tweeted the other day about, hmm, I wonder what Russia has on Trump. And we all went, oh, what's going to happen? You know, it's, 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 I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. And I love, <laughs> I love that it's a fucking woman. I love it. I, I agree that we, like the Democrats need some younger people in leadership. But I think at this point, they needed to have someone who knew the ins and outs. Yeah. Because the whole point is to outmaneuver and outsmart. Yes. I don't think angry, being angry would have gotten the same result. Nope. 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 But channeling the anger does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, shoot, she, she should come up here and teach. <laughs> she could teach some, some ser- like she could teach every politician here. <laughs> every single one. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Some of them, you don't want to have that knowledge. Mm. I get it. Mm. Yeah. All right. So police are investigating after members of a local Islamophobic group, the Wolves of Odin, entered the Al-Rashid Mosque in North Edmonton on Friday, January 25th to intimidate and provoke worshippers. The men were wearing toques that said kafir in Arabic, which translates to infidel or non-believer. Other members of the group are pictured in a Facebook video standing directly outside the mosque and asking members questions about Islam. The Wolves of Odin is an Edmonton-based splinter group of the Soldiers of Odin, an anti-immigrant group based in Finland. They rebranded as Wolves of Odin after attracting controversy controversy by posing with the United Conservative Party members and most recently presented themselves as Canadian infidels. And that's after the Finland-based group just distance themselves from the Canadian chapter following the UCP controversy. So just so we're clear, the United Conservative Party is a provincial political party in Alberta. So Erica, um, the Anti-Defamation League recently released its annual report, quote, Murder and Extremism in the United States 2018, which tracked murders perpetrated by all types of domestic extremists over the past year. According to their research, right-wing extremists killed more Americans in 2018 than they have in any year since 1995. The 50 extremist-related murders also made last year the fourth deadliest year since 1970. Just, uh, just some food for thought there. So uh, what does this tell us about uh, extremism in North America? Well, that it's committed by white people (laughs) and right wing white people. And so next time you hear you ask a like things like, why can't conservative women be feminists? Well, you can. It's just that, you know, you can't um, you can't be a racist at the same time. Sorry. Like, (laughs) like, honestly, I mean, I I always I also want to point out that um, this, speaking of both sides of this Antifa thing is not actually like mm-hmm. a violent thing, but like every time you bring up right wing extremism, it's yeah. the what aboutism comes in. Yeah. What about Antifa? What about Black Lives Matter? Uh, well, those groups were not built on hate. They're actually built on, they're like anti-hate groups because like you know what's not good fascism yeah so i don't know that doesn't seem like a bad thing to me 
Yeah, like this like, is if you're both sides. No. Like the the logic that like, oh well, you know, the KKK is the opposite of someone who is anti fascist doesn't make any sense because oh your argument is that therefore you're pro fascist? You're yeah. pro totalitarianism? Like yeah. what yeah. is this logic? I, I don't I don't get it. It's the versus logic. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like left versus right up versus down and so once you couch stories of right-wing supremacy and that of course you're gonna get the what aboutism mm-hmm. what about black lives matter i don't know did black lives matter murder somebody recently i ever like i like i have yet to hear this story meanwhile we've got you know um these charlottesville people who like the march and like people actually got killed yeah innocent people exactly but the what about like get the fuck out of here and on top of that this antifa thing okay antifa i feel is not i just so let me let me just give you a stat here uh from the anti-defamation league report uh, while you might be afraid of Antifa and black identity extremists, only 3.2% of the killings between 2009 and 2018, that's right, folks, that's 10 years, were committed by left-wing extremists, including black nationalists. So that's all together, right? All together, all of the left-wing quote-unquote extremists have committed 3.2% of the killings between 2009 and 2018. <laughs> f- like, like, no. 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 Yeah, and these are the, like, the still these right, right-wing people are the ones who are committing a lo- so many of these mass murders in the States. And a lot of them, not necessarily even based on racism. Like yeah. the Vegas one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, so we're just like carrying, I'm pissed. So we're carrying up arms and just shooting randomly here. I'm telling you, the greatest threat to peace are young white men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Erica, you, you had a tweet from a, uh, about a month ago, maybe. Um, and there was a lot of conversation around this time about this, this story in the Rolling, in Rolling Stone. So why is it still controversial to call Trump a racist? And this is something that, like, following Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's appearance with, or interview with, I think, Anderson Cooper. Yeah, on when, 60 Minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, when he says, oh, so would you consider, call Trump a racist? And I think she said, yes. And he said, well, how can you say that? And I think I pointed out to you on Twitter, I'm like, I think he was probably, like, I think... I trust Anderson Cooper knows that Trump is a racist. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he was trying to get more out of her Mm -hmm. and like just ask the wrong question. Mm -hmm. Because like a bad follow up is, well, can you elaborate? Like that's not a good follow up. Yeah. So I think he's like on the one hand trying to poke at the bear a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then also made himself look like a dummy. Yeah. Um, So is it controversial to not call Trump a racist? I don't think calling somebody a racist is controversial in general because i just think that i mean facts are facts yeah (laughs) what are you gonna do like if you don't want to be called a racist then don't do racist shit how about that or say racist shit or yeah that's pretty standard if i see a politician 
like taking photos or having photo ops with white extremists, then I have to question how racist this person is. Listen, Maxime Bernier has been very nice to Althea Raj. <laughs> and every time I see her, I can't get that out of my head. And just because he was nice to her, he, he is he can't not be a, a white racist. supremacist. He's oh. not a racist. Okay, sure. Sure. <laughs> But I, I think I think we need to get over this pearl clutching of like just being like, call a spade a spade. Let's stop tiptoeing around. Let's stop pussyfooting around and like saying that things aren't racist or they aren't what they are because it makes we one don't want to offend other people, but two, it makes us uncomfortable to say that because then we have to stand by it. I love how we're like people of color are just so fragile, apparently, that we have to point out shit that's wrong. And but white people are just so strong that they're so that they are so cringeworthy that they cringe about being called a racist. I don't understand. Yeah. And I think if you're a racist, you're a fucking racist. Yeah. But I think that like white people don't want to call other white people racist because then they have to back it up and that makes them uncomfortable and and then it becomes just more white tears and it's just a big fucking circle jerk. This is true. This is true. However, (laughs) (laughs) um, like (laughs) collect your people, man. That's all I can say. Like, I don't know what else to tell you when somebody's being a fucking racist, they're being a fucking racist. Let's just, and to be honest, white people telling people of color what is and isn't racist has to be my number one pet peeve. Mm. It just, it, how the fuck would you know? Mm. How the fuck do you know what racism mm. is or looks like? Mm. Do you have expertise mm. in the area? Mm-hmm. Are you just white? Because mm-hmm. that's just not good enough. Yeah. It's like when a white person tries to tell you that it's, not doesn't have racist undertone to ask someone well what are you Uh uh-huh well i mean you could be asked like it could have a lot of things it could be trying to fetishize someone where are you from yeah it could be making it seem like there is a right and a wrong answer well i'm glad you brought this up Aaron. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Tell me more. Because in that status update, um, I posted about the stages of genocide. Okay, so this is from genocidewatch.org. You can look it up yourself. Sounds like a really uplifting website. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So uh, what it says is the prevention of genocide requires a structural understanding of of the genocidal process. So I would say that the understanding of racism requires a similar understanding, which white people don't possess because they, they're they not being, relatively speaking, they're not being fucked over by the system. So why would they inquire about the system? Okay. So the first step is classification. All cultures have categories to distinguish between us and them. Racial and ethnic classifications may be defined by absurdly detailed laws. 
so basically there's a classification of us versus them and everybody understands it. So the steps go like classification, symbolization, dehumanization, organization, polarization, prep, extermination, and denial. Those are the stages. Mm-hmm. Sounds very white. <laughs> Especially the, not, the denial part. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe not the extermination yet, <laughs> only because they God. just didn't get that right. But, you know, like, it does. Oh, what? It's history. No, I know. <laughs> it's history. It, yeah. <laughs> it's like North American history. I just didn't expect us to be talking about <laughs> extermination. Today. I just say. <laughs> a lot for a Sunday. All right, let's, <laughs> let's move on to something lighter. <laughs> Uh, so by the time you listen to us, the Oscar nominations <laughs> will have been out for a week. And um, they're fine, I guess. I don't know. Um, I A lot of people on the internet have been satisfied with them. A lot of people have criticized, with them, criticized them. Um, but some highlights, um, you know, Black Panther nominated for Best Picture. Um, unfortunately, there were no female directors nominated for Best Director. There's a whole Green Book controversy. Um, and there, there is very little diversity in the acting nominations. And when I saw them come out on Twitter, um, when they, they were announced, I was like, oh, like, this is, this is great. But then, you know, I looked at the actual photos of the actresses who were nominated um yeah they're mostly white they're all white except one and uh there's always one again they only allow one best actor you know save for rami malik you know all white supporting actress we've got regina king everyone all white Mm. uh best supporting actor we've got marshala ali and uh everyone's white so uh yeah for that movie (laughs) yeah yeah um so i i don't necessarily disagree that the wrong people were chosen i just think that 2018 was a very white year for movies save for crazy rich asians um, Black Panther. Did Crazy Rich Asians? It, Crazy Rich Asians get a nod? Like, did no. it get a? I mean, no. Like, Crazy Rich Asians is a very fun movie, mm-hmm. but it's not good. Yeah, but what about like costumes or something? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, just wondering. No costume design um, was like again all white movies except for Black Panther. Because we had two medieval pieces, which are going to get a nomination. Which pieces? Uh, the Favorite and Mary Queen of Scots. Listen, The Favorite was fucking great. Really? Yes. Oh. I, I will say, despite the fact that like all three actresses were nominated for Oscars, mm-hmm. um, and it was very white, it okay. was gay as fuck. Was it? It was so gay, and I was so into it. I was like, okay. There was an elderly white man at the end of the row, like three seats away from me. And I was like, oh, how does he feel about all this? 
Like, did he know that this is what he was getting into? I've, you know, sometimes I look at people like that. I'm like, did you take a wrong turn somewhere? Like, yeah. were you looking for the bathroom? And yeah. Kind of just fell. A into lot of the- cunnilingus jokes <laughs> in the movie. It's a comedy. How did you come about? How did you? What? <laughs> it, I was supposed. To, I heard it was great, so I was like, "Well, I have to see it." Okay. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, like if Beale Street could talk, only really got nominated like Regina King, and then sh- basically shut out of everything else. And Spike Lee finally got his best director nomination for Black Klansman. This far into his career, which is crazy to me. Uh, I haven't seen Black Klansman, but. Uh, Neither have I. Ironically, uh, the white guy in the movie got the nomination. I heard Adam Driver was really good. But, like, of course, it's about the KKK and the white guy gets the nomination. Well, Hollywood just generally has a love of um, of <laughs> of the white man redemption from his, like, his his racial... his quote-unquote racially charged ways <laughs> mm-hmm. and so and like hollywood has this love affair with this there are two types of movies that black people and black movies will get there are two types of black movies that get um nominated number one is the slavery movie mm. There's always a slavery movie. Do you know, like, after I saw, like, Mandingo once way back in the day. Yeah, that. Yeah. Because I, like, I had a, like, my roommate at the time was, like, you know, well, she was steeped in blackness. Mm -hmm. And um, so she made us watch Mandingo. And I was just like, okay, this is it. Like, fuck it. I'm not watching another (laughs) slave movie. Like, I was, like, done. Mm. And so... (laughs) And I'm just like, I don't need to be reminded. I know. I get it. I get it. The first few slave movies that like I've seen. I get it. But those are the ones that Hollywood recognizes. Hollywood doesn't recognize like black people doing things in movies. Like unless it's drugs or unless it's slavery or unless it's some beggar Vance where you have to give up on yourself. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, you have to totally give up your life to help some white guy, like, or white woman reach their, their whatever. Yes. So, that's what I want to talk about with the green, with green book. It's green book, no article, which is dumb. Anyway. So, the green book controversy is that, you know, Mahershal Ali is playing this musician and Viggo Mortensen is his driver and... Mahershala Ali plays the quote-unquote magical Negro that's going to show this white guy that he's actually racist and that, like, oh, black people aren't bad and that he's going to have some, like, awakening about, you know, black people. They're real people, too. (laughs) And so a lot of, like, it's a lot of pop culture podcasts and a lot of pop culture writers are just, like, very against this movie. And I, I don't know that those conversations are reaching like the public consciousness for people who don't consume a ton of media like you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've heard a lot of people or people that I know who have seen it or people who are in media whose family members have seen it. And they're like, Oh, like if you're just like 
suspending reality and suspending all the things you know about the movie. It's a very enjoyable, good movie. But then when you think about the social commentary that it's what it's saying, then they're like, oh, that's like really unfortunate because like mm-hmm. it was an entertaining movie. But unfortunately, it's just perpetuating this trope of the magical Negro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the magical. <laughs> God. Yeah, that's true. I I. I don't really have an interest. Listen, like racism movies in general, I'm just like, eh, I'm over it. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to solve racism. No, and, and, it, and, and I'm going to have a problem with them most likely. And it furthers this idea of like white people being like, why well, do I have a black friend? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. So like this character that Viggo Mortensen plays, who is apparently very racist, can now be like, oh, well, I have a, I have a black friend, so it's fine. I'm not racist anymore racism song like apparently in the movie he like wakes up and his wife has like contractors over or whatever they're doing some construction in their house and she's given and the construction workers are black and she's given them a glass of water and then and when his wife leaves and the guys leave he throws those glasses in the garbage oh like deeply racist yeah but i don't think this is the other thing it perpetuates that 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 somehow in order to be racist, you have to be like that deeply racist. Sure. And that's not how most racism plays out. It plays out with a lot of well-meaning white people, which is why MLK was talked about the well-meaning white people. He's like, y'all are fucked. Like, <laughs> like get yourselves together, you know? And, and it's because you don't have to be a part of the KKK or or even a Trump supporter to be a fucking racist. You can mm-hmm. be a fucking racist without all that. Yeah. Which goes back to the point, don't let white people tell you who and who isn't racist cuz they don't know. They don't know. Just like I don't know how to camp, they don't know. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, same. <laughs> oh you want me to go to nature i get do i have to i'm like is there brunch on the way because i'm hungry are we going to a cottage that's the only way you'll get me out to the woods is there plumbing (laughs) indoor yeah i don't know you could have a septic tank and have some outdoor experience or whatever sure i do want to quickly shout out um the two actresses from roma who were nominated um, one for the woman for best supporting actress, uh, a Mexican woman, and the other for best actress. Um, she's indigenous, like Mexican indigenous. And like it was her first acting job. And she was just like, I'm just so lucky to have been in this movie, in this film. But then it was just so sad. And she's like, this might just be the I haven't received any other offers for anything. And that could just be it for her career. And she'll just go back into fade into oblivion. And she was wonderful in that movie. It's a beautiful movie. Highly recommend. It is slow and a slog, but it is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. I'm really interested in that. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Because if she was, you know, a young white girl, a little ingenue. Yeah the phone would be ringing off the hook yeah but because she's unconventional why do you think I did, I, this is exactly why i don't 
I'm not crazy about the Emma Stones of the world. I'm like, mm, you're meh. But as like as an actress, I find her meh. She was actually very good in The Favorite. She was in The Favorite. Yeah, so she's nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Is was it okay? Meh. Still, she's she's got. I think she like played a lot of like those easy A roles before, and yeah. it's just like playing more complex characters and just showing a different range. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So I think she's interesting, but I'm not surprised that she's like chosen. Yeah. Because it's like boring. Exactly. Because she looks like every other white girl I know. Yeah. Well, it's like Jennifer Lawrence who's got like three or four Oscar nominations and she's like 25. And she's not that good. She's fine. Like she's she's not that good. She's pretty, but, uh, she's fine. Um, but yeah, like I, I just, I find that unfortunate and you know she i would say her next step would probably be try to create a role that i mean yeah yeah try but to do she's a salma not, hayek but she's not in she's not in hollywood you know yeah but she's in mexico yeah that's true like it's like <laughs> we're not the only like this is not the only it's stop. true it's true it's like how um it's just like how priyanka chopra was just like a massive bollywood star before yeah. she moved to hollywood yeah yeah exactly she was a huge star before and i i find it interesting that hollywood itself is sticking to these old tropes but roma is a netflix film and isn't it next one uh it w- was in theaters but then went very quickly to netflix so it's not a netflix film it's not a netflix original no oh it's not oh but that's how it became popularized okay so at the end of the day netflix has something to do with 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 even its recognition probably right i mean the fact that everybody's talking about yes. it is due to netflix yes i i'm just i'm really interested in seeing these streaming services and how and whether or not they sort of shake up that that identity line Mm -hmm. that we see so often repeated in hollywood i just wonder if they're going to be able to shake it up give a voice to different exactly just like roma is doing yeah um i truly truly i saw her on the cover of vogue though Mm. yeah and i was just like I don't know. It made me smile. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope that we see more of her in the future. Now I'm going to go and watch Roma. Um, but I I truly hope we do. But I understand that she might not be getting calls or offers or scripts or anything. Mm-hmm. And once you have the Brian Singers of the world Ugh. fucking directing movies and you know like and producers as they are you're not going to get any i'm glad hollywood is tanking Mm -hmm. i just want to say i'm glad the oscars are tanking the emmys are tanking yeah so this is my question is like you're you're, you just said the oscars are tanking and that the the nominations from this year are very white and not necessarily representative of what is popular in culture so like they're very boring so what 
So are Oscars like the bastion of defining what culture is and rewarding what the culture is? Or are they just like passe and just like a big circle jerk again? Why? This is the second time I've used circle jerk today. Yeah. Um, congratulations. Cindy. Yes. Um, so yeah. So are, are the Oscars like the be all end all in like a rewarding culture? No, but they are a way to get your project financed. Mm. And that's what it comes down to. So even if like I don't care about the Oscars, other people don't care about the Oscars. But in sort of the world of Hollywood financing of projects, it helps a lot. Mm -hmm. And so when I said about the star of Roma, when I when I talked about her possibly finance, like getting financing for or writing the script or writing the part that she doesn't see, having an Oscar and her having Mm. an Oscar would yeah alleviate that however her getting a nomination should at least get her financing or funding for a project in mexico i would assume but i could be wrong yeah i i don't know what and the plight of the indigenous in mexico is another story Mm -hmm. that i i feel like i feel like i'm veering off into and i don't intend to but i really 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 hope that she can that she we see more of her Mm -hmm. or see her name attached to project or maybe she'll work with the same director again because that happens too because i'm thinking of penelope cruz and Mm -hmm. pedro almodovar i think his name is yeah i'm thinking of those two and think about how instrumental he was in developing her career and you know i mean i'm hoping that that it but then you have to then you have to connect yourself to a man yeah see do you see everybody everywhere we turn the patriarchy fucks us okay <laughs> well stay tuned for rant and receipts <laughs> and now we're moving on to rant and receipts where we each bring something to uh, rant about so uh, erica what do you got so um I'm going to talk about a national, well, it's not a national holiday in Canada, um, but it is in America, and it's called Happy Misrepresenting MLK's Message to Benefit Whiteness Day. (laughs) Because that's basically what Martin Luther King's birthday has boiled down to, and I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of... I'm sick of the revisionist history that goes on every fucking year. And since Martin Luther King's birthday is pre- is like the opening ceremonies to Black History Month or it's become that. I mean, I like this is basically six weeks of of abject annoyance as to <laughs> as to who Martin Luther King was. So let's get this straight. He was not a conservative. He was not even a centrist. He was a fucking radical, okay, an activist. He was an educator. He was a a pastor. He was he was an organizer. He was all of these things. He was also a political threat. He was also unpopular for many of the reasons someone like Colin Kaepernick for example is popular now I mean sorry unpopular now so I mean he talked about race and we know white people in race they don't they get icky and so 
you know, I mean, the let me let me give an example of the revisionist history. So, when the Wall Street Journal starts wa- like writing about Martin Luther King, yeah, no, you know something's gone fucking wrong. Um, oh right. So the Wall Street Journal this past a couple weeks ago actually wrote <clears throat> Martin Luther King colorblind radical <gasps> bitch what what the fuck okay first of all what is a fuck is a colorblind radical like that in itself does not exist okay um, I mean at least I got the radical part right yeah he flirted with de- democratic socialism and opposed the Vietnam War but stood against identity politics right exactly that face you should see Aaron's face thinking right face now. emoji face but like half eye roll face mm. that's like I feel like that's you for critics of identity politics on the left and right King's appeals to common humanity over racial division are rebu- are a rebuke not only to white supremacy but also to the racial ideologies of of today's progressives that is just bullshit sorry what yeah exactly and it's like w u t what what no bitch no no so um coleman hughes is an idiot so let's go into some of the other greatest hits two years ago the washington post had an editorial that said martin luther king was a true conservative why is it only conservative people doing writing these things like are there no progressives writing i mean i'm sure there are but like why why are conservatives suddenly trying to like glom on they've been doing this for years it's a way of um sorry is he a magical negro yes they're magically negroing him is basically what he's Hmm. doing what they're doing so what can like what a lot of conservatives do is that they will take um a black historical figure one that white people like enough so like they do the same thing with um and centrists do it too um with uh Muhammad Ali is another one mm. and they will go through this process of this reductionist process and strip away everything this person ever did and then boil them down to see white people like him because he's like this as sort of an instructive tool to black people on how to behave Mm. like like even your heroes were better than that yeah so so what are some of the other ones oh sorry i want to know oh okay so um king was a world figure and he acted and thought accordingly he knew that while the oppression and exploitation of black americans was a product of this country's unique history there were many places in the world where the forces that produce such evils were never far below the surface so in other words we're better because we don't have violence in the streets but you kind of do because we just went through this. Yeah, see? Do you see how you're acting? Do you see your reaction right now? Can God. you imagine this? Can you imagine fucking reading this as like going through tw- and just reading these hot takes? 
yeah the palm beach post well <laughs> of all great critical writing okay <laughs> For instance, had an amazingly specific editorial on how Martin Luther King would have handled the shutdown. Uh, remember when um, King's words were used to to um, to promote Buicks, like that one Super Bowl. There was this commercial where they used like King's "I Have a Dream" speech in a fucking Buick commercial like seriously who approved that i don't know (laughs) so then it goes into a dream it's a buick (laughs) (laughs) so then it goes into things like uh the fbi tweeting about how it honored king's incredible career fighting for civil rights what the fbi were surveilling him like he was on their their like watch list are you fucking kidding or the cia had a tweet too i was just like i can't and and just to top it off representative steve kkk king okay oh, fuck that guy <laughs> he wrote a tweet which literally wondered why white supremacy is offensive and insisting that he, quote, long agreed with King's speeches and writings, unquote. This year or like when? Like this year. Yes. 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 Uh, mm. Yeah. Mm. Like this year. Like that's what uh. was awesome. Steve mm. King. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. I should trademark that. Um, yeah. Who thought that was a good idea? I I don't know. Oh, it 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 hurts. It's, isn't it gross? I think I just got dumber. I know, I know. <clears throat> Here's the tweet: Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. gave his all for all. Oh, how prophetic! <laughs> I have long agreed with his speeches and writings. Today, I think of this MLK quote: "Quote." Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, unquote. May we renew ourselves in his teachings so that he can rest in peace. This is almost Twitter ratio. ratio. I was going to say, what's the ratio on this? Almost. It's like, eh. yeah. Yeah. So that's my rant. And I, I really... People, I have an exercise for you. Look up letters from a Birmingham jail. It's your favorite. It is. Because it talks about that moderate, that white moderate. Yeah. So, um, and like, that is one of his most sort of, um, his most famous writings. So, um, and it's, it, it says, I have been gravely disappointed with the white moderate oh here's one from did you see the one from florida state no oh yeah god yeah yeah okay i'm gonna let you look that up yourself your (laughs) dear listeners because i can't even there's just too much to unpack 
And I've already spent, I kid you not, probably a good amount of time explaining why this is bullshit. So going forward, if you're going to quote MLK, don't. (laughs) Very simple instructions. All right. So this week, um, I want to talk about something that we don't talk about on this podcast, but that Erica and I share as a large interest. I love. I love. Yes. And that is fashion. Woo. Um, and we don't share about it, talk about it. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it if it's like blown up. Yeah. But like we don't really talk about like the fashion shows or really anything probably because the shows only happen like a few times a year and that's kind of boring for most people because most people think fashion's frivolous and that is absolutely wrong. That's bullshit. Okay. Yeah. So can I just, before you, before you launch into your rant, because, um, I, okay. So number one, I really loved the couture fashion shows this year in general. I thought they were, there was something that came back. Yeah. that I didn't know that we lost. And mm-hmm. I think I think it was less streetwear and more like real fashion, like true highbrow fashion. Yeah. And also, um, the reason that fashion is important or one of the reasons is that it is the greatest silent communicator. It is can say so much without saying a word it is the bastion of communications in a lot in a lot of ways also if you if you have been watching digital media and how it evolves or how it has evolved you'll know that fashion and beauty are the two industries that really mm-hmm. have taken on digital media. And that's where a lot of things like influencer marketing started. So if you really want to know about what digital media is doing or going, fashion, beauty, less the big houses and yeah. more the people who consume it. Yeah. And I, I think that there it's important to distinguish between people who like clothes and people who like shopping and people who like fashion and beauty. Good point. Because like, Good point. I used to have a fashion and lifestyle blog. And yeah. for a long time, people would post outfit posts. And it would be like, oh, like I got this from H&M or whatever. And like, okay, cool. You have nice style. But you also like went shopping and bought like a million things. Whereas like I don't buy that many clothes. Yeah. And I want, I find it more interesting to put different outfits together i try things differently with what i already have and like i like shopping but like i don't see the value in sharing every single purchase that i make and like those people also don't necessarily like fashion week or fashion itself they just like nice thing like nice yes yes and that's the difference i think which is fine yeah and there's a place for that and there's a place for that um in within the industry too but this is like i also fashion and beauty are two of the um industries that also tell us who we are as a society Mm. um you know there's a reason that like mini skirts in the economy for example You know, there's a relationship yep. there. Um, when a world is, I think fashion is going back to to fashion. 
Yes. Because in a similar way that food went back to high-end food. Ah. Ah. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't even think of Mm. that. Look at that. Mm -hmm. I feel like... This is a different discussion. (laughs) This is a different discussion than what I thought it would be. But I I was excited when I saw this on, on like, on our... On our prep. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, woo, somebody's talking about fashion. Yay. Yeah. So basically, um, this past week was Hokator Spring Summer 2019 Fashion Week in Paris. Um, So couture means basically that all of the garments are made by hand. And it is a very arduous process and very time consuming. And so anytime you see something in the mall or a brand in the mall where it says, oh, blah, 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 couture, it is absolutely not couture. Couture means a very specific thing. And isn't it one of a kind too? Yes. So fuck all those other things. (laughs) It's bullshit. Okay. Yeah. Couture is like the most exclusive thing. And there were three shows that caught my eye in particular. Um, The first is... I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I'm like I feel bad for not having the windows open. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, I didn't think of it because my anyway. Yeah. yeah. So to what you were saying, Erica, like this fa- like Couture Fashion Week was one of the ones that caught my eye most recently. Like, oh, yeah, I see the images come through my Twitter feed or the websites I read. And yeah, like the clothes are nice, but like. I don't spend the time looking through them in the same way. So the three shows that caught my eye this week were Balmain, um, mm. Victor and Rolf, and yes. Valentino. Yes. So I'm yes, sh- yes. I know all of those. Sorry. So the, Vic- <laughs> the for the Victor and Rolf show, I'm 100 percent sure that if you are on Instagram or Twitter, you have seen the meme. You have seen these dresses. You have seen these outfits. These are the ones that are so crazy they're boxy like literally boxy like a pyramid like from egypt or they are so outlandish and then they've got text on them there's a big pink square one or red one that has no um you've got ones that'd be like i wish i didn't have to be here or some other things they all say these most crazy outlandish things and they became memes and so to become to for victor and rolf to understand meme culture so yeah this giant white one that says i'm not shy i just don't like you (laughs) and so they became memes they became people being like 2019 mood or like friday am i right or whatever and like fashion doesn't understand the internet but they figured it out and the the Finally. Mel- the melding of like fashion and internet was like really interesting. Balmain was just like amazing, but Valentino is the one I wanted to talk about. So, if you're on Twitter, you may have also, or if you follow Celine Dion on Instagram, um, this you was, should follow Celine. This Dion. is the show that made Celine Dion cry, and it apparently brought the house down, and so many people were so deeply moved by it. Um, so. Valentino is designed right now by the creative director is Pierre Paol Piccioli. Um, And so Valentino is still alive. Him and his partner, they they attend the show. It's their namesake. Um, But of there were 65 looks. So think about the time that goes into the construction and design of every single one of those looks. 
But of those 65 looks, each of them with a different model. Oh, that's the one Naomi was in. 43 of them were black women. <gasps> 40, right. 43. Right. That's why. 43 yes. out of 65 were black models. I think I'm going to cry right now. And they, the show was set to Roberta Flax the first time I ever saw your face. <gasps> yeah. And like it was just like people were sobbing. It was just these dresses are just so beautiful that I was like, I just saw the photos. I saw them in Instagram stories and I was just like, these are just so beautiful, like the dresses themselves. But then when I found out there was 43 black models out of 65, I was like, you know what? Fucking New York Fashion Week, London Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, Milan Fashion Week that are all coming up in February for the fall season. Uh, or They better fucking have more and better representation because those models and those shows are so overwhelmingly white that if Valentino can find 43, there is absolutely no reason why those 43 models should not be walking in February. Absolutely none. And that's not even talking about like the Asian models that there are, you know, like there are so many models of color that are just not used because the designers are going after a specific look. But you know what? This is fucking couture. They've got like they're wearing these weird sh- this weird shit over their heads. They're wearing bright colors. They're wearing amazing things that are just like so outlandish that you will absolutely will not see at New York Fashion Week. I can tell you that fucking much. I mean, New York Fashion Week is also a fucking joke now, but like that's neither here nor there. It but, is like, a fucking joke. But like Naomi Campbell closed this show. She wore this bl- long sleeve black dress that had a drop waist and ruffles and it was a sheer a sheer top and it was just stunning and it was unreal. And that's what I have to say that uh fashion month better fucking pick its shit up. It's next month, isn't it? It's in like yeah, like 2 weeks. I'm about to cry. What are you talking about? I know. I'm like that like I, I, I remember seeing Naomi Campbell and Leah Cabete, and mm-hmm. and and I saw. You're right. I was on Instagram last night, and I saw all the like the black models, and I'm like, what's happening here? And then I'm like, favorite. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I think that um, number one, it's interesting that it's Europe that always because I'm thinking about um, Vogue Italia, mm-hmm. who did their all black. Not episode. What is it? Issue. Issue. Thank you. Magazine issue in like 2008. And American Vogue, nothing. Mm -hmm. I think about British Vogue, who has their first black editor in chief and is like already put a Muslim woman on the cover Mm -hmm. um, and has done some amazing, amazing like editorial work. American Vogue, nothing. Yeah. Um, I th- and it's not just Vogue, it's the shows. It's the shows, it's the... And I'm not saying that Europeans are less racist, that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, at least they put you on, mm-hmm. you know? And this idea that, that the audiences only want to see sort of white faces, I think is just disingenuous and it's wrong. I don't think that people just want to... Like, 
I just I I don't believe that's true. You know, people said that a black woman on the cover of any magazine that isn't for the black mm-hmm. audience wouldn't sell. Boom. 1990, 1991, uh, Naomi Campbell sells out British Vogue. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they're like TV, like like all of these industries that have been primarily primarily catering to upper class white people using only white people um, belies a reality there's a reason that so I'm going to add on to this. I understand that Rihanna is in talks with um, uh, the parent company of Louis Vuitton. LVMH. LVMH. Um, to, I think it, it's to have her own house, mm. not her own line, but her own house. Mm. And so it's, and it's because the, the success of Fenty Beauty like took them by surprise. It yeah. didn't really take me by surprise. Well, yeah. You know, but the point is, is that there's a market out there that's not being served. And no matter how much we tell these people, they don't want to do what is necessary to write th- mm-hmm. to write this wrong. And, you know, sometimes it just has to be done. Yeah. And I think it's, it's also important to note that in this show, like, these black models weren't light-skinned women. There were so many, like, dark-skinned women. Well, that's also very European, though. Sure. You know, I find that when Europe puts a black woman on, she's black. Yeah. She's not, "Mm, if I look sideways, maybe she can pass. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like, which makes um, Balmez so, like, what's with this black face in them? And yeah. they like, and okay, so Balma took um, basically black women and put them in blacker face, which is still black face. And it just goes to show and what is um, what is per- like significant in that is exactly what you're talking about is this light skin versus dark skin. Mm-hmm. And how even as a light-skinned black woman, I don't know what this man was thinking because Olivier is a black man, so I don't I don't know what what he did here. I don't know what he was thinking, but he's problematic sometimes in these arenas. Oh well, yeah, because he's a Kardashian pal. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh shit. <laughs> Wait a minute. I see what happened to Kanye and Olivia mm. Rooster. Good point. Well, there you go. Yeah. The Kardashians just fuck everything up Mm. anyway all this to say that um i think that was that was just questionable it let left my head scratching but valentino was just so brilliant and just so it was a nice antidote to at least that aspect of it Mm -hmm. yeah i i'm and naomi she yeah, never fails to impress. I, I have no words. All right. That does it for this week. Um, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, Facebook slash Bad and B Podcast, and email us badandbpod at gmail.com. Bye.
Yeah. Apparently, there was some special on her on YouTube. There's. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Apparently, she, it's her and she. It's something about her and her mom or something huh. like that. Yeah. You could totally watch. I think it's an interview or something. But some all sort those 90s pressure. supermodels, like, they still look unreal and they just, like, walk. It's just like Cindy Crawford walked, I think, a couple of seasons ago in something. Her daughter's walking, too. Yeah. Which Kaya. is not surprising. Kaya. Yeah. She looks just like her. That girl is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I was just like, mm-hmm. like, Cindy produced some good looking kids. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Kaya Gerber. Just so we're Kaya right. Gerber. Yes. Yeah. They're uh, pals with the uh, the Clooney's. Who? Amal. Um, her husband is quite best friends with George Clooney. I think I. Yeah. Randy Gerber. Randy. Yeah. 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 I think I heard that like new seems like a weird friendship it does well it's kind of like it's like beyonce and jay-z and like chris martin and gwyneth paltrow were all buds and you're just like that was weird that was weird i wonder if i wonder who keeps the friendships in a uncoupling do do beyonce and jay-z have friends we're going off off the rails here but uh do they have friends like they never out with people i mean presumably they take all their photos before they go out or when they're on vacation but like besides gwyneth paltrow and chris martin that's all i know i feel like everybody they they don't hang out with them now this is true oh shit well it sure ain't kim and kanye (laughs) they didn't even go to the wedding oh I mean, well, then it would, the wedding would have been about J and B being there. Yeah, but they got invited. They, you know how you know how Kim is trying to be Beyonce's best friend. Yeah. Like it's kind of sad, but anyway, Beyonce's the right one. Then she's like, "No, I'm good." 